0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the
2: all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught
1: for the win!
0: Pressure, pass is picked off, and who
1: is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown! Welcome back to another episode of the PAX What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by... The beautiful, wonderful, intelligent Perry Goldstein. And today we have an additional special guest who is also beautiful, wonderful, and intelligent. <laughs> he is a writer for Chisette TV, Packer Report. He is a podcaster for the Pack a Day podcast crew. He is an Oreo and bourbon connoisseur, mm-hmm. um, a horror movie aficionado, and he happens to be one of the best Packers offensive minds in the game. It is Dusty Evely. Dusty. Hi. Woo!
0: Hi. That so was Far too kind of an intro. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. This is uh you guys do great work. This is exciting.
2: Oh we can't wait to have you. This is so fun. We we miss the monthly chats with Dusty and now we
0: yeah, or I that think one. that uh, lasted what three months. I feel like we yeah, we
1: <laughs> 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 like dropped them off.
0: <laughs> yeah, sorry guys, sorry. <laughs>
2: uh, but we are so excited to in the bye week, like kind of take a look back at. at the four weeks that we've watched so far of the Packers I'd say it's been fantastic uh that's an understatement they're four and zero. um they look amazing and definitely want to focus on the offense today because that's really your area of expertise and it's more fun to talk about the offense I think because they're doing really well right now <laughs> right yeah. um so I guess we can start just looking back first first quarter of the season what is the offense doing really well? Like, what do, you, what do you think they're doing really well at? And off of that, kind of, you know, what do you want them to continue to do moving forward in the season? That what,
0: what's really funny, I think, is uh, you think of offense and you think of especially early season offense. And you're thinking of like, what what are they setting up? What are they running? What are they setting up? They're setting up core tendencies. They're doing this. And usually you sprinkle those in, you know, typically a few per game or something. You the, the Packers love running Mesh. Every team loves running that. But you get one or two different versions of that per game. You get play action bootleg, one or two per game, something like that, where you're setting up these tendencies over the course of games. And so through these four games, maybe you see those six to seven times a pop, but spread out over there. It's been really interesting I've not seen this in past years uh, it's it's almost like they're grouping them by game like just to get mm. those suckers out of the way so like I almost think of each game almost has a theme like week one was uh is week one kind of the jet sweep and then you also had that kind of uh, that that clear out out of bunch that clear out and then crosser so you kind of had that that was week one they ran they ran jet sweep and like I mean like the actual touch pass where they actually gave it to the jet sweep guy five or six times, something like that. I don't think they've given it to one of those guys since, but they set, they set all that stuff up. Week two was the lions. And that was man coverage. That was an ungodly amount of mesh. They ran mesh in that game more than I've ever seen them run that in a game. They ran it, I think five or six times. They came back to that. um, The, the crosser stuff as well, because it's against man and you're clearing out and they had great success Mm with it. Six, six version of mesh week three was the saints play action bootleg. Six or seven times. Like they're not spreading these out, they're bunching them. And then week four, they kept running. um It was a lot of slant flat, a lot of very basic slant flat to one side. And that's where Jamal Williams got quite a few of his catches, which just says the underman of the flat stuff. So you think of like they're setting stuff up and they are setting it up. And we've started to see some slight variations to that. I mean the big with the, the Malik Taylor, the, the fourth down was kind of that uh, the variation of that kind of clear out crosser thing. So they had set that up a couple weeks prior. But usually if you see them setting that up over several games. It's almost like the floor is just like I've got this, I've got game plans that will work, but I also know you need to burn through these concepts and I'm just gonna do them all in one game. And so you've now got all this stuff kind of set up, but you've done it game at a time. And so like I I know for me I'm really excited after the bye to see What are they going to do to run counter to that? Because they're setting that up. They're now going to run counter to it, but they've set it up in these clumps. And so everyone's seen it now. You've seen that. You're starting to see some variations. And so do they start spreading that stuff out? Mm. or is this a game plan thing? Is this a, I mean, the the lions I know were the big example for me just because they're man coverage and mesh works really well against man coverage. So was that a setting up a tendency thing or was that a, we know this will work. It's just going to kill them with it. And that's part of the game plan is you just have these core concepts you run in the game. So um, it's, it's early in the season, four games through. So I have no idea what the trend is there, but it has been very interesting. each game has been, here's a core concept. I know, Oh, they're going to run this 15 times. So it's been, so they've done that well. I think the game planning, I've talked about this quite a bit, the game planning and the floor's play calling. I know LaFleur last year talked about his play calling was something that he needed to improve on. Um, he he didn't call plays in L.A. I think he called plays for the one year in Tennessee. And so kind of coming in, he had one year under his belt. And you could see that as the game went on, maybe he didn't have the best feel for some of that. Yeah. I think that's been one of my favorite things this year has just been his he's gotten so much better in that. He's gotten so much more confident. This past game is the first game where the post script yards for play were less than the script, which last year they had very few games like that. Uh, and so like, he's just, he's gotten better. He's getting a better feel for everything. They've got a lot of complimentary pieces. You've got Irvin on the jet sweep as opposed to Geronimo Allison on the jet sweep. Uh, so, I mean, I think that they've got the pieces that work well together and the floor is really coming into his own. So it's, there's, I was trying to think of something to not like, um, but I don't have a whole lot because it's been a really exciting (laughs) four weeks, man.
1: I mean, so I guess like to your point that you were talking about, and I've been wondering this too, is do you think that they were trying to set up these different concepts based on the opponent? Or do you think it's more of Lafleur being like, hey, we got to get all this out in the open so that we can start reusing it? It's just, this is going to be, you know, mesh week. This is going to be jet sweep week. Like (laughs) like you said, it feels very clustered, which maybe is not what you would normally expect when you're just kind of trying to develop a lot of this, but Since it's been so bunched, is it like this is a good alignment with the defense and, you know, against Tampa, we're going to see a little bit more of X or do you think it's all just kind of what Lafleur is comfortable doing each week?
0: I think it's um, I mean, I think part of it's the game plan, uh, because I do think that you see certain things You're like we think this will work. But I think some of that, too. And this is part of it. We're like using the Lions game because that was a pretty obvious example of I didn't. One of the things I did not look at is where that guess where that split occurs, like when. Uh, like how many times where it was mesh run and script versus post script, right? Like I, I would assume like once or twice in the script and after, and then you run the rest afterwards or something. So then does that point to part likely partially game plan and then also partially just play calling, just if they can't stop it, we're going to run it till they can't, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm sure he did have an idea of, and I think like uh week one or week three, they didn't run a mesh at all. And I've never seen the floor do that. So I think part of it is game planning. You do have like this, uh, we think this will work. We've got the coverage. We've seen some film that this should work against them. And then part of that's probably done just play calling of, okay, if we beat them with it, let's just keep running it. And then you're just putting that on tape very, a lot more. So to answer your question, um, All all of the things you said, possibly, Maggie?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it could be a combination where he's kind of like, all right, it's early in the season. Let's see what's working. I think that this is going to work against this specific defense, but I also want to test out, you know, these play calls or these schemes. And then obviously everything is kind of working. Mm -hmm. So maybe after the bye, we see a little bit of a mix between, you know, the things that were working across all four games. I think also against a little bit more, sophisticated defenses i think the saints is probably the best defense that we've played so far um that there may be a little bit more like it can't just be sort of one thing that keeps it rolling
0: yeah i mean i think i mean the the saints are good let say saints are a good example but also that play action boot one of the reasons you can't run that a ton of the game is because at some point the end stays home you're, you're not you're not crashing on the run action all the time you're, you're staying home. And they never did that. I think they did that one time or something. So it was kind of one of those, well, if they're not going to stay home on this, like what's the point of stopping? Like that. <laughs> yeah. It's almost mean at a certain point that they're yeah. not showing any signs. You're like, okay, we're just going to keep doing it anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that is really obvious so far going from 2019 to 2020 is just the ability to stay on the field and have sustained drives and their third down conversions are a lot more impressive their percentage is much higher even the fourth downs are seeing Lafleur go for it much more frequently and mm-hmm. obviously a lot of that is due to being on the positive half of the field you know you're in scoring range so you want to go for it but it's I think one of the things too is the growth in Lafleur's acknowledging of like he said multiple times this season, like, yeah, I shouldn't have called that play, you know? And he's like, I didn't want to burn a timeout, but you know, it's like, I, I know going into this, I saw this dialed up and I didn't think it was going to work, but I called it anyway, because it's, kind of one of those learning things and if it doesn't work you know you got him on the half yard line and they got to march 99 and a half yards anyway so that yeah. to me has been so interesting to see like this development of even him understanding his own like scheme and how he wants to operate it
0: yeah i know he talked i guess that was on i think that was on packer's transplants this past week and he mentioned a couple other times as well where the, the jamal williams fourth down where he was like Listen, that was wrong from the moment we came out there. Like yeah. we should not have done that. Like I should have called a timeout. Like he puts that on him. And it's it's funny that you say that, Maggie, because it is very much like you think of his introductory press conference where like the the talk was this guy seems a little nervous to be a head coach and now he's just <laughs> he's so confident in everything he does. He's so assured of his plan, but he's also not afraid to put that stuff on himself. So, yeah. Just seeing him develop as a head coach just in this, this past year and a half has been just a tremendous amount of fun.
2: I appreciate his accountability a lot. Yeah. He He's not one of those guys who's going to go out there and place blame on anybody else, or he, he really is owns what he does. And I think it says a lot to me that he acknowledges publicly the things he does wrong. Cause you know, he's going back and he's going to fix it. And mm-hmm. I think he has, like you said, Maggie, from last season to now, we've seen a huge change in him. I think the one thing that I would love to see a little bit better of is exactly what you just said. Some of that, red zone play calling because I find that we get down into the red zone pretty easily um, and it doesn't always turn into seven Um, and I'm wondering Dusty you know what you think that is and you know what the Packers can do to kind of get better at that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem to bring AJ Dylan in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maggie likes that answer, <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I've not really looked specifically at too much red zone stuff. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, there is, you know, there's, there's an art to calling that stuff down there. I mean, and mm-hmm. some of the kind of crossers, some of the misdirection stuff that can work really well down there just because you've got so many bodies packed in a tight place. I mean, they, and some of it's just been. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're probably still having the same conversation. But if if uh, Shepherd gets into the end zone and that little sprint out, like they've been stopped, uh, you know, a couple times inside the red zone, and that kind of sucks. But like it, it's it does after like the, that many times over the course of four games, it does kind of come up. So, like I said, I think it's something that you know some guys have been injured uh, did across the league. I guess guys have been injured, so I don't know if that plays into it. Just you're calling if you've got guys in there that not, are not quite as familiar, you're going to call kind of more base stuff. You know what I mean? Like the uh, yeah. stuff that, that you, your, your playbook gets smaller or has a tendency to get smaller. Cause you have to call who you have out there. So I don't know if that's part of it or not, or if it's just, just a blip. I haven't looked at the numbers. They're still scoring. So I assume they are, I assume they're, they're scoring in the red zone is still fine. It's just over four games. What they've been stopped at fourth and one on the, on the one twice now over four games. So that, that, that has a tendency to stand out. So I think it's one of those things to me, it's, it seems small sample size. I haven't noticed anything like, well, they're getting too cute or they're doing anything like that. I think it's just, I think it's going to even out. It's just, it's happened a few times. So I I think that's about all it is.
2: Small sample size. You're
0: right. Yeah. That's my hope. And I
2: guess when you're so used to a team scoring, when they don't, you notice it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk to you about personnel groupings because I feel like they have been so, so creative this season with it. We are definitely seeing a good amount, I think, of like the traditional 11. Um, They went a lot of 21 against the Falcons, which obviously when you have your wide receivers out makes sense. We saw some 31 on Monday night, um, Mm -hmm. which was awesome, and even some 13. So I'm curious what you think about the way Matt LaFleur is using his different personnel groupings and how you think that that's like leading to their success in moving the ball
0: down the field. Yeah, I mean, I think that's huge. I love it. I mean, I didn't didn't look at last year, I think. Last year, I mean, under McCarthy, they were in the 70s, 80s, something in 11 personnel. And uh, last year, under the first year under the floor, I think they were in the mid-60s. And that was kind of the the dialing back and trying to get to that. Uh, the, this year, they're running 11 personnel on 36% of snaps. Now, so what a, I think part of that is due to Irvin is still classified as a running back. So I think that skews mm-hmm. it a little because he's lined up in the backfield. I looked this up. 3.4% uh, of his snaps have come from the backfield. That's it. Like, he's not a running back, but he still classifies one. So that throws it off a little. But, yeah, I mean, it speaks to, you know, the, like you said, some of the injuries or whatever. But it's the bigger thing is this This is, I think, how LeFleur wants to run that offense. This is, you get that illusion of complexity. You get the... You get the heavy. They scored. Uh, I can't. Was it one of the touchdowns? Uh, one of the one. Of, I think it was one of the one of the Tanian touchdowns. They went heavy to one side with the two tight ends. It was uh, Sternberg on the outside. and Then Tanian just set, set slightly in. And from that look, I mean, I've talked about this too. I'll say too many times. Too many times. If you can, if you've got personnel out there that you can run power with or go spread with, you can do anything you want. Just anything you want. This past week, we started to see some more tempo as well. So now you're getting tight end heavy looks with those guys. Sternberg is not the best blocker, but he's passable, and Tanya's gotten better there. So you've got guys who can move a little in the run game. You're getting a little more, like you said, the two running back look, you know, that 21 look with uh, Williams and Jones a little more on the field at the same time, which they experimented with last year. So now you've got – and you've seen that. We've seen five wide spread out of, at times, 22 personnel. Like – and they can pull that off. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's it certainly seems like the vision. And I know a lot of people. You guys heard the same thing I did before the season was they when they drafted Degora was and Dylan. You know was with their 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 pound, ground and pound team. This is what they're going to be. And it was it, the whole time kept saying, this is not, this is not ground and pound. This is the illusion of potentially ground and pound if they needed to be, but you get those heavy packages and like the, you can go spread. And we're seeing that now. It's, it's kind of one of those things where you see that stuff in the, in the off season and you think, you know, what's going to happen. And then when it actually happens and it works really well, uh, you can feel kind of smart every now and then. So it's been, yeah. I mean, it's this this, this is the team that Lafleur wants, and he's running what he wants to, uh, and it's been it's been amazing. Like, it, and everyone's bought in. It seems like everyone's bought in, which is just incredible.
1: So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about specifically, because you know, like Perry said, we saw a lot of not a lot, but we saw a significant amount of thirty one personnel against the Falcons and. It seems like every week Matt LeFleur is saying, you know, I really want to get A.J. Dillon more involved. He's a second-round draft pick, but it's really hard to get more involved when your top two running backs are so versatile. And, Mm -hmm. like, they have so much productivity in the offense. I mean, they were two very key contributors on Monday night, so kind of in your mind, what do you see being his best fit for even getting on the field in a Matt Lafleur offense? Because it seems right now like it would be silly to have him surpass anyone. And, you know, people talked about Jamal Williams being a cap casualty in training camp, and now he's one of the key contributors for an offense Mm -hmm. and has some of the better hands on the team almost. His catch percentage, like completion rate, is almost 100%. So where do you kind of see Dylan? Because he is not the traditional running back that the Packers typically field on their offense.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. And we saw him. When I know he was on the field. I didn't see a snap count. You know, a couple snaps this past game uh, went out. I think his first time out, I was like, "It's AJ Dylan! It's AJ Dylan!" Like I got really excited. And he went out for a route, and he didn't, they didn't throw it to him. But you know, the yep. route looked was like a three yard flat route or something. Like he looked fine. He looked fine. I think it, my thought on this, um, it's. It's tough to know for sure. My my running theory that I'm going with is uh, the Packers loved running that pony package last year with with Jones and Williams on the field at the same time. They they ran that against Kansas City. I know like that first game Devontae was out last year, and they tried to run that quite a bit. But they had those were the two guys. Those were the only two guys they had really was 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 Williams and Jones. So you run those guys out there all the time, they're going to get very very tired, and you can't really field an offense that way. So they couldn't run that pony package. So my My thought is Dylan is the guy that you trust. If you feel like you could run Irvin as a running back, okay, then you've got four, I guess, if you feel like looking at it that way. But my thought was always, okay, for like some of the single back stuff, that's that's Dylan. And then when you want to run Pony, you can run Jones and Williams out there. I've not seen their numbers as far as when they're on the field too much. But you can run that look more. You can now run those two guys out there at the same time. If they get a little tired they need to breathe at the same time, that doesn't kill you because then you've got AJ Dillon. So, like, why we haven't seen him too much yet, I honestly don't know. Like, I don't know if that's if it's injuries to other guys. I don't know if it's, you know, his, his pass protection, you don't know what they look like in practice. So, if his pass protection still has issues or, mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of if he's not quite as far along, I, I always view running backs in the draft as, as plug and play guys. Um, it, it's weird to me that. I said earlier that sometimes you say stuff in the off season and you feel smart, but other times you say things and you sound dumb. (laughs) All off season was uh, tight ends the hardest position to come in from college and and step in and be a contributor right away in the NFL. And running backs plug and play. Granted, Deguara was injured, but that first game, Deguara looked pretty plug and play, and then Dylan's not done anything. So (laughs) feel pretty feel pretty dumb about that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think as it goes on, like I said, maybe they're just setting stuff up these first four weeks. As it goes on, I wouldn't be shocked to see more Dylan, And then along with that, we see more of the Jones-William package at the same time. That's that's my hope anyway. Because uh, otherwise, I don't – the goal line thing still very weird to me. Why yeah. he's not getting – like because that's the, if he's on the field and you don't feel like he's a pass catcher and they're not going to respect that, I get that you're kind of telegraphing your intentions. So, like, between the 20s, I get it. I get it. But if you're at the one – it doesn't matter if you're telegraphing your intentions. He's a large man; just run him into other large men. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't know. Like that—that's weird to me. But that's that's kind of my my theory on Dylan. My youngest brother's theory on Dylan is that uh, they're not going to give him any carries until December, just to make sure his legs are as fresh as possible to murder people. So which, which I'd be fine with as well. That oh yeah, I would love like, that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I wonder if like the success of Jamal and Aaron Jones because they do. They run and they catch passes, and they're both very good in pass pro, like you mentioned. I wonder if LaFleur is just kind of like, I don't know what A.J. Dillon brings when these both of these guys can do all three things that I want in a running back right now. Like, why take someone off the field if they're being successful? That's my only thought, is, you know, if, if yeah. Jamal was out there the other night and he was, you know, dropping passes, and I think we got a little bit st- Stuffed a little bit in the run. I think we, what was our average carry against the Falcons? Like very low, I think under three yeah. yards. Yeah. Um, so, so that to me is like, maybe you put AJ Dillon in there, like you said, for, for, you know, shorter yardage first down situations, but yeah, I would like to see him. I mean, he you I mean, we were with you, Dusty, in the offseason. Maggie and I were like, he's gonna be the only rookie that actually has a contribution this season and it's gonna be so nice. Ha ha. Look at our second round pick actually doing things. And you know, he's he's been relegated to like running back four, but there's still a lot of time. There's still a lot of season left Very for true. him. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I mean, we we've talked a lot about Liffler and you know, he's becoming a much better play caller this season and feels a lot more confident and in rhythm. And I think that every time I've been watching this year, I just feel like this marriage of LaFleur and what he's trying to do complements Roger's skill set at the age that he is so, so well. Like Rogers' accuracy and arm strength are still at an all-time high. And LaFleur is like scheming guys open and and doing things so Rogers can stay in the pocket and he doesn't have to go off script and he doesn't have to scramble. And I just feel like this marriage has been so beautiful and there was all this hoopla on the off season, right that like second year with matt ryan matt lafleur brought him mm-hmm. to an mvp season and i was like all right let's calm down like i don't want to get my <laughs> expectations too high here but we're we're actually seeing that with aaron this year i i don't know what do you think is aaron on the way to an mvp season
0: i think he could be i mean at this point the only thing that's stopping him is is russell wilson going nuclear well i guess the only thing stopping him is technically is a schottenheimer i guess right uh if he decides he wants to go back to the run and and get wilson's numbers down but i mean yeah he's playing it's weird because he's playing at a, you know a, a tremendous level with like you said he's not being asked to do too much he's going off script only really when he has to only when stuff starts breaking down i haven't charted it but it's it's What probably less than five times a game, he's doing that, and he's he's hitting those. He's hitting so many gimmies, man. Like all that stuff, it almost seems like cheating at times. You think of like the um, like the Saints game. Uh, with so much of that that play action bootleg you just hit the you hit the guy in the flat. If you don't hit the guy in the flat, they had the big one of Lazard and they start drooping back on that. And it was just, okay, I'm gonna hit Tanya and it's legit or Sternberg, I guess, for like legit a five yard air pass. And now that's gonna be twenty-five yards because there's no one over there because it's wide open. Like there's those layups that just were not if they were in the system before, they weren't in at the level they are now. And, and I mean, we, yeah, like you said, all off season, there was the talk. There was also, there was so much talk of it's, yeah, it's, it's the second year in the system. And is Rogers going to buy in? This, this runs contrary to what he's been doing for years. So is this something that he's capable of doing, or, or not even capable of doing, but is this something he's going to find comfort in? Is he comfortable doing this? He taught, was at the, the Hawk podcast, one well, of the Hawk podcasts I think he was on, when he kind of talked about just the terminology. And I know there's a question yeah. of like, um is the what's the translation? like do you get ever, ever get over that? And He's like, well, no, I've been doing this for like 15 years. Like I, every time that goes, okay, well, they call this, I call it this. So it is it going to slow down? Is that comfort level going to be there? And I think, I mean, you said you talked about the marriage between them. I mean, it sounds like they've worked on every level of that to even down to terminology at times. Well, It's a little quicker if maybe we rename this, this, like, it sounds like a a collaborative effort between the two of those who knows how much of that is actually true, but the both those guys have talked about it and they don't seem like guys who would lie about those things. Roger seems refreshingly honest lately. So I don't don't think he would be prone to lying about any of that stuff. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's two guys working at a really high level and Roger seems totally bought in and it's like you said, it's, it's, it's what you want out of this in his in his time of his career. You get those layups, and he can also just take those shots downfield. And those shots downfield are now easier because you've got some of the speed guys, but you've also built up. It was one of my issues with McCarthy a little bit was not the stuff he ran, but some of how he ran it. Where like you're not you weren't necessarily setting up those shots. It was he um, goes listen to. The the Robert Mays and Nate Tice podcasting, I talked about. I can't remember what offense to talk about this year, where it's kind of like this this offense feels like this. Okay, we're five plays in now, we take a shot. That's almost how McCarthy was sometimes. We get we take a shot deep now because that's what you do, whereas the floor is building this stuff. So even the deep shots are more open than they were before. It's just, it's, I could talk about it for entirely too long, but it's a, it's a beautiful marriage between them. It's working great.
1: So then I guess one of the questions that I would have as somebody who's studied the offense like as thoroughly, you know, were these concepts in Matt LaFleur's offense in 2019, like, what is making year two so successful? Because, you know, when A.J. Dillon and Josiah Deguara were drafted, a lot of the narrative was like, hey, Matt LaFleur has got the pieces that he needs. And I bought into that. You know, I was like, hey, these are two pieces that will help him be more successful on third down. Like, there was this whole idea that, like, maybe his offense wasn't as effective because he didn't have the guys. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing in 2020 that the guys are the same. (laughs) Like, nothing. (laughs) Deguara unfortunately, had the injury that took him out for the season. Dillon's not Mm -hmm. getting snaps. So like, where do you think the change came from? Is it like LaFleur understanding his players, his play
0: calling? It's everything. And I think it's it's also it's incremental improvement from everyone else. It's I mean, we start with start with Rogers. Rogers, like I said, it's it's the comfort level there. And I know he talked about it in the offseason, but you could see it at times last year. You could see him drop back, he's rolling. And there's I mean, there's a couple different a couple of different ways you can go with that. He goes back. He's looking, and he sees a the guy there. But there's there's a, a moment of hesitation, and you hesitate a moment, and then sometimes that window closes. And so that's a like I, I don't know if he he didn't necessarily remember where that guy was supposed to be. The play caller wasn't trusting that guy or whatever, but there is kind of like this, okay, I'm, I'm in a new offense, which is way different than anything else. You're thinking for a little bit longer than, than you were before when that stuff came second nature to you. So I think that's part of it was Roger's comfort level in the offense. There was also the comfort level in the receivers. There was, I know, um, I guess, well, the, a couple of years ago, I guess, I know with EQ there was a play, a specific play against the Falcons, Um that was that was Philbin. That was Philbin's first game where Rogers is rolling out and it they like this. He didn't know if EQ was settling down in his own or if he's gonna keep running. So Rogers ends up throwing the ball away. And so those, and that was that was a different era because that was the short-lived Philbin era. But <laughs> but some of that stuff also carried over into last year. I know the the Lions game, the week 17 Lions game is a perfect example where he was chucking deep, man. Chucking deep and was missing. I'm putting scare quotes on that because he wasn't, I, I, some of that was missing and some of it was just, there was options on some of those routes and he's reading something one way and the receiver's reading something a different way. There was another, there was a Lazard one where Lazard runs a dig and Rogers throws the post and that safety's kind of coming down. He's kind of crashing that dig. So Rogers throws over the top. So it's, it's those weird, there's those little options that they just were not on the same page with. Rogers was reading something differently than the receiver was. Now some of that, some of that's Rogers because he play, he plays at a high level, and some of that's just Rogers is wrong, and the receiver runs that right, and the, whatever reason they just run on the same page. So I think there's some of there's comfort level in the offense, there's comfort level with the weapons, and like you said, I think you know that some of those guys have gotten better. I mean, Tanya's better than he was last year. Tanya started coming up a little last year, but then he got injured. Um, but he, he, towards the end of the year, he was showing up really really well, and so you get that incremental. Improvement from him you, you hopefully we're starting to see That from Sternberger a little bit you get uh, I think Lewis Lewis Is being used a little more yeah Yeah. I think some of yeah. that too we talked about the personnel groupings uh, Earlier right Like they were still Running and both of those guys have talked about that they Weren't running LaFleur's offense they're running a Hybrid LaFleur McCarthy offense so He still mm. kind of went a little heavier 11 so Lewis was out there but not a ton Well now Lewis is out there quite a bit he's doing a Little more in the receiving game but he's also doing a little bit More as a blocker so I think it's it's uh, again, like like everything else, I feel like it's a little bit of everything. I feel like LeFleur has grown as a play caller, so we've got that. You've also got incremental changes that you hope you were going to see from these guys. I think MVS hasn't quite taken the jump. I thought he was going to, but I think he's still better than a lot of people give him credit for. EQ's injured, but you get the jump from Tanya and you get, I mean, a jump from Jamal Williams. You get Aaron Jones just being Aaron Jones, and you get everyone's comfort level is up. I mean, I think that's – it's – and that's kind of one of those things in the off season. They were thirteen and three last year. I know a lot of people kind of were bagging on them for uh, not a great thirteen and three season. And if you look at Pythagorean record, I think they were roughly a nine and a half win team. Like they overplayed, and generally, if you're over a win over your projected based on your your points scored and points against, you're due to regression next year. The next year, like Almost always. But you look at this year and it's there's all those reasons for hope again that you hope are going to happen. It's second year in the floors offense. You get in, you didn't draft anybody, but you've got third and fourth year guys now coming up that look like ready to take that leap, ready to go. And all that stuff seems to be happening at the same time. So even with the guarante not out there, I think the offense is better with him out there. And even with Dylan not doing anything, I think everyone else, including the coaching staff, has just gotten better. Everyone's just a little more in tune.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned the Detroit game in week 17. Cause that's the one that I kind of think of as like the really blatant example of things. Just, it wasn't that Rogers was missing. It was that they were not hitting. Yeah. Which is like yeah. a really, I yeah, think that's, that's a good distinction. point. Yeah. Um, but now things are hitting and it feels less, like you said, you know, let's just take a deep shot and see how it goes versus <laughs> we've seen that the defense is responding well to this. So now when we do this, we can actually hit that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, I don't know. I'm curious. Like, it, I really. I thought the Falcons game was really fun because we got to see a lot of guys really featured who don't actually normally get that much, like, get that much attention um, mm-hmm. from from the play coin. Or even Rogers. Like, we've seen. I think Maggie and I have talked about this a little bit, but like we've seen this year kind of Jamal running routes, right? But he's like the last read, and Rogers doesn't hit him, and he's still open, but he's not getting there. And so I'm I'm really curious after the bye. Hopefully we get. Devonte back and i'm like curious how lafleur kind of like weaves Devonte in there because he is getting success from all these other guys and you know that Devonte completely changes the game because mm-hmm. he pulls defenders his way but he's also dominant and you want to get your number one wide receiver you know the touches that he deserves um but you also don't want to lose the success that you had running the offense against against the falcons
0: yeah yeah, no. I mean, I think it. I think it. You know, like you said, I think it changes it. It's got to change it a little bit. But you know, I, they only put up thirty points this past week, Perry. You know, how good were they really? You know.
2: Okay, so Devonta gets two touchdowns. <laughs> to now we're where we're supposed to be. Got
0: it. Yeah, yeah. There we go. But, I mean, Lazard's gone too. So yeah. I mean, I, so touches come from somewhere. You know, Deguara's out. Not that he was eating a bunch of touches or anything, but
2: you're just you know sad, Tanyan's right? not going to be okay. open all the
0: time. So I think I mean. I hope Tionian becomes more of a feature now. I do think that's that's probably going to happen, and maybe it does shift a little more wide receiver heavy. But it's it's not like they were going you know four wide receivers uh, when when Adams was in. So I think it I think it changed a little. Like you said, what was the first game, second game when he got what fourteen, fifteen targets, whatever that was. Like first game. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's happening again, but like know, <laughs> 10 targets for Adams and then you spread everything else around. It, it's, yeah. They said maybe Williams doesn't get as much as he did, but Williams, some of that was a lot of the stuff was just flat stuff and they were sagging off. So we just hit him, and that's not open all the time either. So it's just mm-hmm. a, I think they hit that one, I think of all of his targets, they hit the one vertical with him that kind of went up the sideline. That's one of the things they've not hit yet. This year has been like that seam vertical from the backfield. Yeah, they're trying to hit it. And that was one of them. And that wasn't open. But Williams was open on the outside. So I think that's the only time they sent him deeper than like five yards or something. So like, it's kind of one of those, again, kind of game plan, kind of reading that stuff. That's it. That's not going to be open all the time. And if that's not open, well, you know, Devontae's open likely. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think it also gives MVS a better shot of actually getting, you know, catching some of those because he mm-hmm. was getting probably like the number one corner and that he called it the one seven treatment with the double teams. And <laughs> he's just not the guy who's going to be able to beat those. I think there was like a back shoulder throw from mm-hmm. Rogers that should have been a touchdown in the Falcons game. And you know, that if Tevante's in, he catches that and that's a touchdown. Catches
0: that all day. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I think it
1: will open things up for MVS. At least that's my hopeful thought.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I'm right there with you.
1: Yeah. And I think it's interesting to like, You know, everything so far in the post game has been that each week it's somebody else, and I think that that's something that's really unique about this year in Matt Lafleur's offense. And we saw it a little bit when Devontae Adams was out for the four game stretch. Was you know, obviously the Packers went undefeated in that stretch. They were able to spread the ball around really well in Devontae's absence. But like to both of your points, you know, we first it was Week One with Devontae, and then it was the Aaron Jones game, and then it was you know, kind of the Alan Lazard game. And then we had the Jamal and Tanya game. So when you get all these different pieces who are proving that they can do different things, whether it's mesh or like you said, a screen, whatever the play call is that these guys are getting open, the wheel routes that we desperately want to see hit that <laughs> have not hit yet, whether it's Devonte and double coverage, like somebody's always able to get open and the players have alluded to that as well, that there's just such a comfort where they know that the expectation is they're all going to, Always get the ball, and then they're making plays when the ball is thrown to them. And I think that that's just kind of been like the really unique part about this offense. And and I think it's how they're putting up so many points because just the expectation is the big play, and whether it's you know your five-yard big play or you're just converting a first down, you're keeping the chains moving. And time of possession Mm -hmm. is also been, I think pretty astronomical for the Packers at least through the first couple of games i think it kind of evened out the second couple of games but
0: yeah i mean like you said that's a big, a big part of that like you said he's taking what they give him I and mean, you've seen so many times yeah. you you check down the field and what's the the west coast adage is is uh, touchdown to checkdown yeah Basically, doing exactly that. Like, you look in, you've got, you know, maybe a two man, three man route and then a check down underneath. You look, 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 nothing's open. You can see him go through his reads and that ball's out by the time he hits his step in his drop, but just down to the check down. Like, he's he's taking that on a level that he's not been doing recently. So, yeah, it's, I mean, that alone has been incredible. I know, and one of the other things I know that one of the narratives over the past, I don't know, few years, not not totally correct but but there is some truth to it that he will have a tendency to lock on to Adams he's not really doing that even when Adams was in there I mean Adams was getting those targets but a lot of those Adams is the first or second read and he's just open because he's Devonte Adams you know <laughs> like he's not he's not throwing to Devonte Adams or he, he was not out of the detriment of everyone else like you say he's not he's, forceful yeah no he's he's finding the open guy he's not if Devontae's covered and someone else's wide open, he's thrown to the wide open guy. So it's it's been just watching watching kind of that version of Aaron Rodgers show back up. That's just processing and just find the open guy. It's like, I feel so alive every week, man.
2: so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> no, Maggie, we need those wheel routes on uh, linebackers that are not named Eric Kendricks because we can't <laughs> do that against him. No, um, absolutely. I think, you know, I've been thinking about this a little bit and I wanna I wanna get your take, Dusty, because I, I feel like something that's working so well with the offense is that like players just have so many different roles and you you get different things out of them and it's not predictable because mm-hmm. each of the players obviously are in their specific position and don't do that well, but then they expand out of that. And I'm wondering like Cause we, we've seen it with the 49ers, how they use Kyle use and everyone loves to talk about that, but I think it merits some kind of discussion and like this new wave of like gadget player where it's like, can you really pigeonhole a player like Tyler Irvin into being a running back when he's barely in the backfield or Josiah DeGuero when he moves around the line, when he's healthy, you know, like, is this maybe like the movement forward in football offenses is this like idea of like a gadget player?
0: That's a dream, man. I mean, it's, (laughs) I mean, really, it's funny because that is. I mean, I've been preaching for years now. It's really more a slot. Everyone asks me, who's who's the who's wide receiver three? Who's the slot? Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Like, especially in I know one of the things the floor does, and that's part of the movement on offense. And McCarthy was doing that to an extent before he left. Was the kind of the compressed formations, which which just we've talked about this before. It changes where your open space is. Your open space and spread is. Middle of the field or wherever they break off those routes, compresses the edges. So now you now it, it behooves you. Can I say behooves you? Is that correct? Um, <laughs> to get kind of faster gadget guys because you're compressing, and then from that point, it's all about the angles out. You're trying to get if you get a guy like Irvin, uh, like man to man with a, a linebacker across the field from him, he just got to race him to the sideline which he can do. I mean, so that's part of it. And it's, it is funny because I mean, there has been the, the, if this is a revolution, which makes sense, I don't know. Um, it has been, it's happened on the defensive side of the ball years ago, to some extent, like these hybrid players, you know, the, think of, um, got uh Dion uh, uh, Buchanan, you know, kind of that one of the first guys that kind of would, would sit down and kind of become that, that hybrid safety linebacker, not the first guy, but of the new wave, I guess. And now everyone's got, you know, guys that do that. you got, you want to be versatile. I've, I've said for a while um, without fully meaning it, I guess, because I don't know how much I trust the run game that at some point you get all of these, the defense just keeps getting lighter and lighter. At some point an offense, is just going to go heavy and just, hand the ball off 50 times a game and those hybrid guys can't deal with it. And I think what's happening now instead of that is you're now getting these kind of hybrid guys on offense. Like you said, these gadget guys on offense that become a little bigger. And and part of that is that it's all from the defensive side, you're matching up with the offense, right? You're you're trying to get a guy that can match up if they go wide that can sit back as a safety or if they go heavy that you can sit up there. Well so then the natural Thing on that for the offense is okay then you get guys that you can't match up with it doesn't matter who you have you can't match up with so you're just you're creating matchup problems with that um, and so I do think I mean yeah gadget guys are just guys that can do a little bit of everything I mean that's say Deguara is not you know I think his Raz was in the eights or something like athletic guy that you can't cover him with a linebacker and he can move you in the run game so I mean it's the trick is there's not a thousand of those guys out there um it's tough to find guys that that you can do to i mean if you're looking for a tight end that can move you in the run game and then also receive in the passing game if there was guys like that out there everyone would be taking those so it's it's tough to find those guys that can do that but i do think that yeah versatility offense is huge to combat uh some of those kind of hybrid guys on the defensive side it's that it's that constant kind of push pull of of offense and defense um There's a there's a really good book. I I think I've talked about it. I'm sure I've talked about it. Um, (laughs) The Genius of Desperation uh, by Doug Farrar that just takes that kind of you get the that push pull of that basically throughout NFL history. Uh, And that's I think that's a really good way to kind of look at where we're at now. Just kind of this some of the movement of some of these guys and where you're kind of putting them to kind of combat. It's one side does one thing and the other side does another thing. It's just it's a it's like a constant chess battle with like large sweaty men. (laughs)
1: I, uh, I think one of my favorite quotes from the Aaron Rodgers presser was he said exactly that, you know, he was like when we have Jamal and Aaron on the field at the same time, you see defense that either have to commit to nickel or dime because they want to play the passing game or they commit to a heavy base and then they're vulnerable because they're trying to stop the run and we have guys who can split out wide. So just... The idea that the Packers are winning differently, and Matt Lafleur had mentioned it a little bit, but, you know, he wasn't there for the McCarthy era, so he can't really say as much about it. But Aaron Rodgers, you know, there's all this talk always about how he hasn't had weapons like the 2011 team, and that's fair. I mean, there won't be another offense like that probably for a while. that
0: was stacked on a level that shouldn't be legal, basically.
1: Right, and, you know, there's just always been, like, he's had a favorite target or a person, but he hasn't really had, like, a full arsenal maybe since 2014 you could stretch it but you know now he has a versatile running back too he has a versatile wide receiver a couple that can do different things he's got if tanyan makes a leap and you know we're not crowning him the next like jermichael finley but (laughs) that he can have those big plays a potential for the offense so now we're seeing aaron rodgers and perry and i have talked about this just this idea that Aaron Rodgers has had to be Superman forever and that's kind of been his role and it hasn't been fair because the expectation is that he has to be perfect and when he cannot perform to that level of expectation he's suddenly having a down year or something's wrong with him mm-hmm. when he just hasn't had the pieces to be successful so i think the idea of bringing in LaFleur and giving even if they're like you know second string kind of guys that you don't expect to be a star just the idea that this offense can function so seamlessly through aaron Rodgers's arm but he doesn't have to kind of be a hero is i think what's making this so unique as opposed to some of those previous years that we saw in the tail end of the mccarthy era where it was you know live or die by his arm and you just kind of hope that he can do enough with what he has around him
0: yeah yeah and it's funny that you bring up uh the word arsenal there and i still think there's a um, not you know not necessarily the way you used it, but I think that the, there's still a misconception about a lot of people and you had the draft this year as well that was, they didn't draft a wide receiver they didn't draft a wide receiver. but Arsenal as we're seeing this year it's deeper than that. It doesn't matter. it's just who can do what? who can do what that fits that offense and you get guys like you say, it's yeah. not even let's say role players because that that sounds insulting, but it's basically what it is. you get a whole bunch of role players who know what they do and do it well and can do a little bit of both things. You don't have to be amazing like I said, like Sternberger, Sternberger is not an amazing blocker. He's a willing blocker, but he's not an amazing one. He doesn't have to be. He just has to like, it's not like a proud parent. He just has to try his best, man. Like he just has to try <laughs> and he just has to not be like actively terrible. It's it's like, it's, it's the run game. It's play time, play action of the run game. The run game does not have to be successful for a play action to work. You just have to show a willingness to run out of certain looks for them to respect that. That's basically all it is. And so, yeah, someone like, Tanyan, someone like Sternberger, those guys might not be like star stars, although I I hope they are, but they know what they they can do a little bit of both. They're dynamic receivers, dynamic ish receivers in the passing game. They do enough in the run game, enough to sell it, enough to sell those, um, that kind of what they're trying to do, some of that misdirection stuff. And they're it just, everyone's playing their role. There was a, a I love, we talk about Jamal Williams a lot here, but there was a play from this past week that I loved in that. And we were talking about it. I was watching it with uh, my brother and a friend that was just a swing pass to Jamal Williams. And he's on the sideline and he like, he looks for a second, like he's going to step in and, he's, and he sees a safety there. And so instead of stepping in, he just steps to the outside, puts his head down and gets an additional three yards because he knows what it is. And my, my friend, I think it was to my youngest brother said something like, but he's like Jamal Williams, like a Brandon Jackson, like, knew what he actually was instead of what he thought he was. <laughs> where it's just he, he knows what he does, he does it well, he takes what he can get, he puts his head down and you get the few yards and you come back. They've got s- that the the roster mm-hmm. stacked with those guys. So they don't have a ton of dynamic wide receivers, but they've got guys who just fit what they're trying to do so so well uh and, and can sell it enough to make defenses respect it. It's
2: yeah. It feels like a true do your one eleventh Like you you preach that, but like you just, you get your assignment and you go out there and you execute it to the best of your abilities. And if you get the ball, then you make a play. And if you don't, then you know, you did what you were supposed to do. Um, And it feels like a winning formula. I don't know. So far through four games, it feels (laughs) like a winning formula. Um, I'm really excited for the rest of the season. I'm kind of sad that we have a bye, but also happy because I want everyone to get healthy. Mm -hmm. But how are you feeling? I guess we definitely should wrap up cuz we've definitely kept you way longer than expected.
0: I'm, I'm good for <laughs> as long as you want, man. I'm here.
2: But like what what are you feeling for the Bucks game? Like how what are you looking for? How do you do you think we're going to win? I think after watching last night feels winnable. It
0: feels it feels really winnable. I mean, the defense I still think is a concern, but also with um th- I haven't brought him up yet, and I'm talking with Maggie, so I have to. Was Zedaria Smith looking <laughs> as good as he did? I mean, this past week it was kind of he'd been kind of quiet. But this past week, Zedaria Smith kind of did what he needed to do, and just was a wrecking ball like we saw most of last year. So I think seeing what that Bucks offensive line looked like, uh, I think Z is going to eat. Hopefully, uh, and like you said, I mean, this was before the season was. God, man, I I hate, I hate early by. I hate it. And now it just feels like a godsend. Yeah. Like well now everyone can get healthy. This is great especially with with Gary having been out. So yeah, I mean the my the big thing about the Bucks game was just the penalties. Like I thought I was like watching like mid-90s Raiders teams or something like just <laughs> just awful penalties. And there's not been a ton of penalties this year. I feel like penalties have been down across the league. No. Uh and and they they've been terrible. So
2: Jalen Johnson had a really rough game.
0: He didn't he didn't. So, I mean I think it's the big play is going to concern me on defense um but I don't think Brady completed a pass more than 15 yards on the field yesterday. So I mean I I there's always I'm always nervous before a game. I think there's going to be cause for concern, but if the Packers can get healthy and this Bucks team is the team that they're going to meet, I it's, I think it's going to be fine. It feels like it will be fine. They do have a, a decent defense I think, but with, I know Vita Vea is out for the season which sucks. Yeah. So that's yeah, going to hurt them, ankle. but they've got some they've got some good guys on the defensive side so maybe probably the best defense they faced so far this year so if they keep the penalties down um, maybe the Packers won't score 55 you know I I don't know but I, I, I still think they win it just based on what we saw last night
1: yeah I think it's another 30 burger. I Like, do you call it a burger if it's not 40? I don't know the terminology. But.
0: You know, I heard someone do it earlier this week, and I was like, I don't know that I've ever heard that before, but I'm, feel right. I'm I'm fine with it. I think as long as it's over <laughs> 20, like 20 sounds sad. Like, I'm not doing 20 <laughs> burger. Like, yeah, but you lost 23 to 20. Like, that's not uh, – you don't brag about that. I feel like 30 feels like maybe a low threshold, but a threshold.
1: I, well, that's what we strive for here is we set the bar really <laughs> low. And then <laughs> and Me we do. We do.
2: <laughs> uh dusty thank you so much for coming on this was make amazing yours. i feel like i could go for another 45 minutes but i'm not gonna do that to either of you and also i don't think anyone would listen for another 45 minutes <laughs> so um just really thank you you're one of our favorite people to talk thank football you. with just <laughs> so knowledgeable and just make you make everything even when it's complex sounds so simple and i think it's an amazing skill so thank you um So that everyone who's listening can find all of your work. uh, Why don't you let the people know where to follow you?
0: Yeah, um, I'm over at Twitter at at Dusty Evely. I forgot what my name was. Um, And then so I write uh, weekly. I've got two articles over at Packer Report One, which is just uh, I look at I call it my favorite pressure, which I. Maybe I should change that. I don't know. Some people call it something different, which that's fine. Um, which last year turned into a whole bunch of Z wrecking stuff, and this past week was Z wrecking stuff, which was awesome. And then on Friday over there, I do a playbook thing, which I usually take like one or two concepts and really dig in on it. And then Thursdays, Wednesdays, Wednesdays during the week over at Cheesehead, I do all the passing concept stuff. So again, this week's been or this year's been fun, just because it's been. There's a, it makes my job easier when there's a very specific theme to follow every week, so I can group plays a little easier. And so the floor has done that, which is really really nice of him. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's me, I guess. That's that's where you can find me. That's my stuffs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> maggie where can the people <laughs> find you everyone already who
1: listens i feel like sure, already know but they should know but now you can find me on twitter at maggie J Loney. i write two articles a week for t tv you can catch perry and me doing happy hour with game on wisconsin every monday and i'm also with the thursday Packaday a podcast crew sometimes i do enough where i forget what i do but that i feel like i got it all
2: Perry, where I can the, the lovely listeners find you? <laughs> um, yeah. So, packs what she said, of course. Please follow us on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. Like and subscribe on all of our streaming services. I sound so legit when I say it like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm also, I podcast every other Monday with Andy and Alex at Packaday. Um, and I'm now doing a Some Packer report preview and recap stuff with Ross Uglum, um, and that those come out a little bit to our discretion, but typically Tuesday (laughs) and Friday. um, Really depends on when the All Twenty Two comes out for the recap stuff, but that's been really fun, and those are super quick. We're trying to keep them under fifteen minutes, um, so you can check us out there. And uh, yeah, Dusty, again, thank you so much. This was awesome.
0: Yeah, before before I go, guys, thank you so much for having me. You know, I love both of you to death and you guys are killing it here. All of your other streaming platforms, you're killing it on the, the, the Packer report stuff you've been doing is amazing. The happy hour is incredible. I don't get a chance to catch it all the time. Um, and then the work you're doing here. I mean, just, just not just the football stuff, which you guys are just absolutely incredible at, but just using, using your voices to do good things has just been incredible to watch. So I love both of you and you guys are amazing. So thank you for having me on.
2: Anytime open invitation.
0: Thank know, you. I'd... I'll take you up on that. I'll see you next week.
1: All right. <laughs> it uh, packs what they said. Starting <laughs> next week. <laughs>
0: That's right. Uh,
1: all right. Thank you, Dusty. Thank, Thank you, you, everybody, guys. for listening. And as always, go Paco. Go Paco.
0: Go Paco. And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down. He's inside the 10, and he is in for the touchdown. The title is back in town.
1: RACKER!